This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. to the Worth Recovery Podcast. My name is Amy. I'm a recovering sex addict, and I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. I'm so excited to be with you this week. I am coming kind of off a little bit of a recovery high. This last weekend, we had our Worth Recovery event engaged in the struggle here in Salt Lake City, Utah, and it was great. It was so great. I learned so much um, from our three incredible speakers. Jackie Pack, Candace Christiansen, and Lou Duke. I learned so much there about my recovery and about things and tools that I need in order to move forward. But I think that my favorite part, though, was just talking to other women in recovery, whatever that recovery is from. Because as I've reached out to other women and learned from other women, and as my own recovery has grown, and I've learned more about myself and my own story. I've learned that recovery is not, for me, recovery is not just about sex addiction. Sex addiction is just the symptom of a much bigger problem. It started with sex addiction, and my sex addiction was the catalyst that got me into recovery, but it's not at all where my recovery ends. I've learned in recovery that I have family members who are sex addicts. And that brings some betrayal trauma and some other trauma in my life that I have to recover from. I've learned that my family is dysfunctional. As much as I love them, they're dysfunctional. And that brings some things in my life that I need to recover from. I've learned that I have a food addiction. And that brings some things into my life that I need to recover from. I've learned that recovery is just so much deeper than just my sex addiction. I've had my own trauma in my life that I need to recover from. And I was grateful to sit in a room full of women who are also on a recovery journey. And yours is going to look different than mine because we're all a little bit different. And yours is going to be a little bit more complex maybe or have some different aspects to it or have some different experiences. And and that's all okay that we can all sit together as women in recovery and support each other as women in recovery. I had such a great, great time. One of my favorite activities that we did was we put together three words that describe us. One that describes our past, one that describes our present, and one that describes our future. And as we went through and kind of talked and shared and things, Um, At the end, we kind of all held up our paper of what describes us in the future. And that activity just filled me with so much hope and so much excitement and so much gratitude for all of the women that have been part of my journey. Some of the words were whole and optimistic, um, a badass. I loved that one. Um, Some of them were aware. The word was aware or complete or successful. I loved all of these words as we talked about where we want to go in recovery and where we're headed and where we want to be. Secure, that was another one that I really liked. 
And I was just so grateful to spend time with you and so grateful for all of you that attended, for all of you that make this possible, for all of you that continue to listen, for all of you that were there in spirit. I had so many of you that reached out to me and just said that you hoped things were going well that day and that everyone was able to spend time together and move forward. And that is, that means so much to me. So thank you to all of you that were involved in making our event engaged in the struggle possible last weekend. We have another event coming up in July back in Seattle. We're going to be back in Seattle this July. July 15th is the date. Our theme is determined to recover. I've learned recently and I've talked a lot on the show about the statistics of those that don't stay in recovery, those that don't make it. And we've talked about being all in in our recovery. We've talked about the distractors that happen in our recovery. In one of our coming up episodes, we're going to talk about the indicators. How do I know if I'm all in? How do I make sure? What are some indicators that I can look for in my life? Because the current statistics using AA statistics are that 1 in 18, 1 in 18 will stay in recovery. That, that just makes my heart hurt, 1 in 18. And so it's my goal to try to help to change that so that we can stay in recovery, so we can get rid of the shame and the stigmas that come with being in recovery, and then we can support each other and stay in recovery. So our theme in July will be determined to recover. We're going to be meeting in Bothell, Washington at the UW campus there. I'm super excited about that. And I'm working on finishing our lineup. I know we'll have Stacy Sprout with us. Stacy is the author of the book of the memoir Naked in Public. That's her own journey of sex addiction recovery. We'll have Erin Glade with us, who was with us last year as well. And I'm excited to just keep working on putting this together. So very soon we'll have some more information to you. But plan on July 15th in Seattle, Washington. Now for today, our episode today, this is episode 84, and I've titled it The Letter You'll Never Send. A few weeks ago, as I was driving, I received a text message and my phone read the text message to me and it said, Amy, I am really struggling today because I miss Fred. We'll just call him Fred. That wasn't really the name. I miss the relationship I had with Fred. As I kind of had a conversation with this person, Fred was a, a rec- um, Fred was an acting out partner and This woman that I was talking to was just really missing that relationship, missing that acting out partner, missing that that relationship that she had with him. And as we talked a little bit about it and as I reflected um, on my own experience, I, I remember some of this, I remembered some of these feelings and related to some of these feelings of grief over losing my addiction. You know, we we come into recovery and we say we don't want to do these things ever again. And we don't. We don't want to act out with men. We don't want to, you know, do these behaviors, pornography, whatever the situation is, whatever it is, we don't want to do it again. And we know that it was ruining our lives. But we also, and I hate using the word but because I feel like that negates what I just said. So it doesn't negate what I just said, just so you know. We, we come into recovery and we want these behaviors to stop. And we also have to recognize that these behaviors were serving a purpose. That especially these relationships, these relationships that we had with different people, 
in our acting out, they were serving a purpose. They were serving something within us. They were helping us in some way. And now we've gotten to the point where that purpose, we recognize that there's more damage than good in those relationships. And so we have to let them go and move on. And sometimes that is really difficult. Even though the relationship is damaging, even though we recognize that it's not serving us anymore, that it's not helping us or that it was wrong and that we don't want to engage in that behavior or that relationship, it can be really, really difficult to let that relationship go. Really difficult. I know when I first came into recovery, as all of you probably know, I had a relationship with a man named Steve. And the revelation that this relationship was actually an affair, that Steve was married, is one of the driving forces that got me into recovery. And I remember sitting in my therapist's office, in Aaron's office, and thinking, he's going to tell me that I can never talk to Steve again. And even though I knew I, I didn't want to talk to Steve again, and even though I knew that the relationship was not serving me anymore, I was so afraid of letting that relationship go. And so even though Steve and I had broken up, per se, if that's what you want to call it, um, and we had kind of gone our separate ways, for the first, I don't know, probably year, maybe even 18 months in recovery, we still had on and off contact. He would contact me, as you know, on my birthday every year. But there would be other days, too, where I would get random contact from him. And we would have conversation, and and it would dig up all of these feelings. And even if he didn't contact me, there would be days when I would be lonely. And I would want that relationship. I would want the ease of that relationship. I would want different aspects of it. There are days when things were just really difficult and I wanted to act out again. And I wanted that kind of numbing and escape that I got when I acted out. But I also knew that it wouldn't work. I knew that going back to that relationship wouldn't work. But I was having a hard time letting go. I was having a hard time working through the grief of that relationship because there was grief. It was a loss and it was a lot, a big loss for me in my life. So I remember after a particularly like painful few weeks of having kind of an exchange with Steve, sitting in Aaron's office, again, this was probably 18 months maybe into recovery and finally saying, okay, I have to be done with this relationship. I can't go look up his Facebook page anymore. I can't go and find excuses to contact him. I can't, you know, respond when he res when he contacts me. Like it needs to be over. I need to be done. I need to move on. And I felt like this was just really holding me back. So I sat in Aaron's office and was like, I got to be done. How do I how do I do this? And so Aaron suggested for me to write a letter to Steve, to write a letter to Steve about everything that was going on in my heart and in my mind in regards to him. And so I thought, okay. And he told me from the beginning, this will be the letter that you never send. We're just going to write it out and we're going to tell him all of the thoughts that you have about him. And again, we're not going to ever send this letter. So you need to be a hundred percent honest and just really talk and speak to the issues that were going on for you. So I started that week, and as I, I remember at first, the first paragraph felt really awkward. <laughs> I 
I thought, I don't, I don't even know what, really what to say to you. Um, but soon, after I put some effort into it, it was just, it felt like emotional vomit all over the page. That's a term I also learned from my therapist. It felt like just emotional vomit all over and page after page after page kind of just rolled off. And I would go the next week, I would go to therapy and I would read what I had written and we would talk about it and we would process it and we would reframe it and we would decide, you know, is this really something that like you're responsible for, you know, what was, what were the players and what was going on and talk about all the different issues going on within these experiences that I was writing down. And then I would cry and cry and cry. And then the next, and then I'd go home and then the next week I would write, I would write some more. Then I'd come back and we would process it and talk about it. I wrote about different sexual experiences we had had together. I wrote about emotional experiences. I wrote about times when I felt like I was mean to him, times when he, I felt like he was mean to me. I wrote about the abandonment I felt from him. I wrote about the fantasy that we had created. I wrote about the betrayal that I felt at the end when I learned that he was living this fantasy life that he and I had created. Um, but he was actually living it. He was married with kids and all these different things. And I wrote, I just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And every week I would show up and talk to my therapist about it and read it and cry and talk through it and explain and get some help understanding and get some help processing and understanding all the different aspects of things that were going on. And then when I was all done, I think it was like 14 or 15 pages, maybe more than that. I don't remember exactly. But when it was all done, this was the part that was the hardest. My therapist said to me, okay, now you're going to take all of this information and you're going to condense it to one page. You're going to write a one page goodbye letter to Steve. And he told me, I want you to make sure that you acknowledge the positive things about the relationship, the things that you learned that were helpful for you. And then I want you to acknowledge some of the difficult things in the relationship, some of the hard things that happened to you, and some of the things that maybe weren't fair. And then at the, I want you to write a goodbye, a paragraph about why this needs to be over, about why you're moving on. And a little paragraph at the end about when this resurfaces, when these emotions and this relationship resurfaces for you in your life, what are you going to do about it? So I'm going to give you that outline one more time. The first paragraph was all the good things in my relationship, the things that I learned that were helpful for me. The second paragraph was all of the negative things in the relationship, the things that bothered me, the things that were difficult for me, the things that were damaging for me. The third paragraph was kind of my goodbye, why I'm leaving, what's going on, why I need to be done with this relationship. And then at the very end, when these um, just information about what I'm going to do when these memories resurface and when this whole thing resurfaces. So that was my one page goodbye letter to Steve. And, and I'm gonna read it to you in a second, but before I do, I, I wanna just acknowledge that um, this letter, I couldn't write the letter just like that from the beginning, just that outline from the very beginning. I had to just emotionally 
dump everything that had been going on in that relationship in the big long letter and be able to talk it through with someone who helped me process and put context and understanding around all of the things that happened. Because I couldn't, I at the beginning, I couldn't say that there were any positive aspects of our relationship. At the beginning, everything was just just negative and disgusting and gross and overwhelming and sad and horrible and I felt very victimized and there was just a lot of different things in there and it was digging through the muck and the mire and understanding all of that kind of emotional dumping that I had did I had done that gave me the ability and the clarity and the awareness to be able to put this final one page letter down so let me read this letter and then let me talk to you about what I do with it and how I continue to use it. So this letter starts, Dear Stephen, though we haven't talked in months, I have been continually haunted by aspects of our relationship. I need and want to say my final goodbye and move on. I want to start by thanking you for the things that I learned from you. Before we met, all of my intimate experiences have been addictive, sometimes borderline abusive. You had a respect and love for me and my body that I didn't even have or even knew existed. My intimate experiences changed when we met. I am grateful for that. I am also grateful for your support through some very difficult moments in my life. We were always crisis friends. I honestly don't think I would have survived some of those times without you, and I appreciate that more than I can express. Finally, coming clean with me about your marriage took courage. You could have disappeared again and left me wondering for years. It took nerve to be honest with me and tell me what was really going on. Ours was a powerful and important relationship in my life for many reasons. I have learned so much through this about who I am, who I am becoming, and what I want my life to be, and that I thank you for. However, the door on our time together has closed. At first, I didn't want that to be true. I wanted to be able to keep all the positive aspects of our relationship alive, but the more time that has passed, the more I realized that they really weren't so positive. For seven years, you lived a lie with me. You led me on, manipulated me, and made promises to me about the life we would have someday. When I got frustrated because I couldn't make sense of things, you let me believe I was the problem. You even led me to that conclusion most of the time. I went a little crazier every year, really believing that I wasn't enough, that I was broken, flawed, and that no one could possibly love or commit to me. Even after I knew the truth, you would take the emotional anger I had towards you and redirect it towards me and my family. By that time, I felt so bonded with you, I believed everything you said. You took advantage of that. You took advantage of me. There was a time I really thought I couldn't be happy without you, but that time has passed. We have always said that our relationship was magical. There were times I felt you were truly a gift from God in my life, and I still believe that. I was headed down a very destructive path when I met you. In many ways, our relationship stopped me from sliding further down that path. But now, it has been holding me back from moving on and pressing forward. I don't want to be stuck here anymore, revisiting this relationship over and over again, beating myself up unnecessarily. Truth is, you did this to me, and I don't want a relationship of any kind with someone who wrecks this kind of damage in the lives of people he claims to love. Goodbye, Stephen. 
I do forgive you for all of it. I want you to know that. I hope you will forgive my part in it as well. As I move forward with my life, I know there will be times when memories will resurface and I will think of you. When that happens, I will smile for all the good times, say a quick prayer of continued forgiveness, and let it go. Take care of yourself, Steve. Amy. So that's my letter. I wrote that letter in the fall of 2012. Um, I think it's actually right around my uh, sobriety date is when I finally finished that letter. I've never ever sent that letter to Steve. He's never read it. He's never received it. I have, however, probably read that letter at least a hundred times myself. For a while, right after I wrote it, I read it almost every day. I read it because it helped me to it helped me to complete the relationship and to let it go. Writing the letter helped me see that both the good things and the bad things could be okay together and that I could complete this kind of emotional connection that I had and then let it go. At the same time in my life, I was becoming a huge fan of Doctor Who. I'm a huge sci-fi fan. <laughs> that probably surprises you, but it's okay. I am a huge sci-fi fan, and I was becoming a huge fan of the show Doctor Who. And there's this episode where the doctor says to one of his companions, the way I see it is, life is a pile of good things and bad things. The good things don't always soften the bad things, but vice versa. The bad things don't necessarily spoil the good things or make them unimportant. I remember having that quote up in my room for a long time, that the bad things and the good things don't cancel each other out. It's not like a big scale and that I have to have more good things in my life in order for my life to be good. That's not how it worked. And writing this letter helped me see in this relationship that there were good things and I could honor those. And there were bad things and I could be saddened and upset and frustrated by those. But that they didn't cancel each other out. That just because he was good in this aspect doesn't mean that that excuses bad behavior over here. And just because the bad behavior didn't happen doesn't mean that the things that I learned were unimportant or not a good part of my life. And writing this letter, like I said, I probably read it like a hundred times or more. It's probably been more over the years. But one of the things that this letter did for me was every single time I had those moments, like like my friend did when, she, when I called someone or text someone and said, I miss him. Like, I miss this relationship. What this letter did for me was it would, it would give me something to do rather than just kind of sit around and be like, oh, I miss this relationship and reminisce about all the good things. Or I miss this relationship and then go into a shame spiral or be angry because I missed it. And I, and I was telling myself that I shouldn't miss it, right? I had something to do. I had a letter. I could pull it out and I could read it. And I would. Every time I felt like I missed the relationship, I would pull it out and read it. And after reading the letter, I didn't miss the relationship anymore. It's not that I didn't want those good things in my life. I do want a good connection in my life. I want someone who loves me. But at the same time, it would, it would remind me that this is not the man that I want that relationship with. And it helped me put closure to that and to let it go and to move on. And I'm really grateful for that. Also, when I started hating him or was going through, you know, just feeling damaged or angry, I could read the letter and also remember some of the good things. 
that I learned that changed my life, that changed the way I'm going to move forward in connection. And I was grateful for that too. And I'm also grateful for the ending. I'm grateful for the part that says, this is what I'm going to do when I remember you. When I remember you, I'm going to smile, I'm going to forgive, and I'm going to let it go. And that's what I work to do. This goodbye letter really, really helped me in my life. It really did. And I've written several others since then. That was my first one. But I've written several others. I've written them to different relationships I've had. I've written them to different people, even that are alive, and some that are even dead. And I've written more and more letters as I try to process the relationships and the things going on in my life or the trauma that I've experienced. And they have really helped me. It also helps me to have them continually to help me work through those issues or whatever is going on in my life. So ladies, I just wanted to give you a tool today on what to do when you start missing those acting out partners or those previous relationships. And maybe it's not an actual acting out behavior with a person. Maybe you just really miss pornography. Maybe you really miss what it gave you. So I would say write a letter. Write a letter to pornography and write all of the messiness of it, everything that happened, all of the stuff that happened with your relationship with pornography, and then condense it to one page. I'm thankful for this part of our relationship. This is the damaged part of our relationship. This is why I'm letting go of our relationship. And this is what I'm going to do when you resurface in my life. I know that doing that work, that's difficult work. And I know that doing it though, helps us to move on and helps us to feel, to not be haunted by those aspects of our relationship. I had forgotten that the first line in that letter to Steve was that I have been haunted by some of the things of our relationship. And that was true. But I tell you now that I do not feel haunted at all by that relationship. In fact, I feel more compassion for myself and for him in that relationship than I ever have. And I am in a really good place to let it go. It doesn't consume my life. I don't really even think about it very much anymore. And when it does, I just remember it and I move on. And it doesn't cause continual issues or emotional leakage. I'm just really grateful for that in my life. I hope that you can think about this. Who in your life or what in your life do you need to do a goodbye letter to? The letter that you'll never send. And I would encourage you to start working on it. Start working on that. When you come up with something that is bothering you or continually bothers you, how can you write that letter and move on from it? Because we can't allow these things to continue to hold us captive or continue to hold parts of our life or part of our mind or part of our heart if we really want to do the hard work of recovery, we need to dig deep and to let these things that are no longer serving us go. So that's your homework today. Think about something in your life that's no longer serving you. Whether that's a relationship with a person or whether that's a relationship with a behavior, whether that's a habit that you are doing and you need to let it go. What is it that you can do? How are you going to move on? And start to write these things down. That's your homework. Think about one thing in your life and start writing the letter. Before we close today, I just want to give a big shout out to my Worth Warriors. 
Those of you throughout the world who donate a small amount of money, contribute a small amount of money every month to help keep this podcast free. You ladies are amazing. We continue to grow. We have listeners, continual listeners, in over 60 countries throughout the world and in every state in the United States. I'm incredibly grateful for those of you that help me to keep this free for all women in recovery throughout the world, wherever you are. If you want to be a Worth Warrior, you can do that by getting on the website, finding the Worth Warrior logo, clicking and finding out. For as little as $4 a month, you can also contribute to the Worth Warriors and be able to keep this podcast free for women throughout the world. I'm so grateful for all of you and for what you do. Don't forget your homework to think about one thing you need to let go and to start writing about that. As always, remember that you are worth recovery. No matter what is going on in your life, no matter how shameful you feel, no matter what's haunting you, no matter what's holding you captive, no matter what others around you are saying or doing, you are worth recovery, ladies. 100% worth it. I believe in you. I believe that you can do this. I know that you can. Keep up the fight. I think about you, I pray for you, and I love you. Until next time, Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.